Hello and welcome to the Bearded Horror Review. My name is Dan, aka The Boogeyman, and on this show I'll review a horror movie, either a classic or a new release, and I will tell you what I thought about it, go through it in non-spoilers and spoilers, uh, say anything good or bad about the film that I, I thought, and give it a rating out of 10, and let you know if I think if it's worth a watch or not. Um, and on this week's episode we're doing a new release, uh, last week I did Mathrigan, uh, looking at a, another James Wan film that he produced uh, in lead up to this week, uh, which is going to be Insidious 5, The Red Door. Um, I have been waiting for this film. I am a big fan of the Insidious films. One and two are incredible films. Three and four, I enjoy both of them. Some people don't like four, um, but I enjoyed it. And yeah, so I was anticipating this a lot. Um, I not wasn't necessarily um, consuming any media or anything. If you've watched my previous videos or listened to my previous episode, you will know that I will try and avoid trailers as much as possible. I knew this film was coming. I tried to avoid as much as I can. Uh, I saw little bits, and I, but I avoid it so that kind of my expectations aren't raised too high or my opinion isn't skewed before I go into the film. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of was expecting this and I'd had high hopes because of the previous installments. Uh, but outside of that, I wasn't really uh, expecting anything in particular. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a non-spoiler and then a spoiler. I'll give uh, time codes in the show notes below uh, so you can skip over any kind of spoiler territory if you don't want this being spoiled. Especially with it being such a new release, I can understand why people wouldn't want that. Um, yeah, but also when I go into the spoilers review, there may be slight spoilers for one, two, three, and four. Just just keep that in mind when I go into it all. Okay, so even in this non-spoiler bit, the plot line is direct from number two. Just mild, ever so mild spoiler, just so you know. Okay, so non-spoilers. Insidious, the red door, don't open the red door. Don't open the scary door. You'll let all the scary out. Oh, great. Well done. You've let all the scary out. Who's going to mop this up? Um, <laughs> is a new film by, uh, like I said, the, the team from before. Uh, Lee Winnell is back writing. And um, I believe that James Wan is an executive producer. Um, however, this one has been directed by Patrick Wilson, the guy who plays Josh, the main character. It's his directorial debut. And I have to mention this before I go any further. Yes, he also sang on the Ghost song. Uh, it's really great. I can't, that, that's my review of that song. It's awesome. Patrick Wilson's got a great voice. Didn't know he had that. Pretty chuffed for him. <laughs> um, yeah, so the film is a direct sequel to two. So it goes one, two, three and four are spin-offs or prequels. So it goes one, two, five. And this is a continuation from two. It's direct from that one. So essentially it's 10 years after two. I'm always adjusting my hat, by the way. I'm really sorry. Um, so it's direct after two. Um, it's set 10 years later where Dalton and Josh 
at the end of two, so in mild spoilers, uh, we're kind of hypnotized to forget everything that happened in, during the, the kind of the sequences of one and two, bar Dalton being in a coma. Uh, they've kind of removed all of that that from their memory. And this is set 10 years later. Um, they Neither of them remember. And all of a sudden, something sparks it off that so they start remembering. And that's when all the spooky stuff happens from there. So that's our basic plot. Um, I, like I said, I went to this film without really much expectations other than I enjoyed the other films. And so I was hoping to enjoy this one. Um, there are some good moments in this film. There's some good scares. Patrick Wilson's done a great job of directing some of these scenes. It's a very good looking scene, it's a, uh, film. Sorry, it's a very good looking film. It's a very well made film. Um, the sections that I'm talking about, which I'll talk about in spoilers are very are really good there's some of them got me um however the most part this film doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a an insidious film or a horror film per se it feels like a family drama with horror sprinkled into it with insidious placed into it there are moments of like 15 to 20 minutes where I'm not a lot um, horror-wise actually happens. So there was large stints of this where I was just pretty bored. Um, it's not as bad as uh, previous films I've talked about. Um, go and listen back to my Mathrigan episode, uh, something in my eye, if you want to like, to really see how I felt about that. And Yeah, um, it kind of gave me the same vibes though this did, where I was... I was bored for quite big stints of this. Um, it's not a bad film, like I said, but I think the pacing was off. Um, I think that they veered too far away from what an Insidious film was or what they promised. Um, I don't know if you've seen the advertisements for this film, but they're promising the end of the saga. You know, this is the conclusion of the Insidious saga. And it just didn't feel that way. It felt like a different movie with Insidious in it. I felt a large disconnect. Uh, and especially there were some elements in the film that I did not enjoy. I didn't feel worked for this film, um, such as the one of the, the placement, the setting that ha comes up later in the film, and some of the characters in the film. Uh, there was some bad CGI in the film that really stuck out, where in the previous films, you know, they did really well with practical effects and stuff. So. It kind of bummed me out a little bit. It brought me out of it. Um, when I was in the cinema, it was a packed cinema, full house. I went on my own. Um, I always go to the cinema on my own. Uh, full house. And you could hear the, the moments people started to get bored and frustrated because they started chatting away. Um, and then things that happened, they go quiet again. And then they start chatting away and they go quiet again. Um, so you could see that, um, that it was losing people in moments. And that's real shame. Because the moments that are good really are good. There's some great moments in this. I think if Patrick Wilson was given a different, tighter script, this could have been a phenomenal directorial debut. But unfortunately, I feel that, yeah, the pacing was off and it just missed the mark of what it was promising. 
there are some gaps in this film for as, as long as it is and how drawn out some scenes are there are some gaps in this film um, I know people have enjoyed this film so it's not a bad film I just didn't enjoy it I was expecting something else um, it didn't feel like an insidious film to me and I was bored for a lot of it uh, so I will give it a 6 out of 10 solely because the directing was great the action was good for the most part when it happened uh, the acting was fantastic everyone in this is, is a good actor far from ever so slight moments um, but there were some things that just dropped it and uh, like I said it's a competent good film overall but it's not something I'd be watching again I'm glad I got to see it I'm glad I got to add you know this this finale uh, to the the saga um, but outside of that no it's not for me it's six out of ten Let's go into spoilers. So we're going to spoilers from now on. Spoilers for one, two, three, four, five. Okay, um, we're doing that from now. Um, one thing I will say about this film is I saw it a few days ago, and I said it's very boring in parts. So I'm going to try and some go through it like I've done on other films from start to finish. I may miss bits because I was bored and my memory. I've got ADHD, as I've said in previous episodes. So some things, if it doesn't entertain, it's not sinking in. It's just not, which is a shame. So the film starts at the end of two, where the Josh and Dalton are having their memory erased. Um, as we know, like, say spoilers, uh, Elise from, dies in the end of the first one. Um, the second one, a man comes in who knows Elise, and he does, he's a medium, but in a slightly different way. Uh, he uses dice. Um, he is the one who kind of erased their memories. They felt this was the only way to kind of get their their disconnect from the further because Josh and Dalton can astral project and they do it when they're sleeping and that has caused a lot of problems. In the first one, obviously, it caused um, Dalton to go into a coma because he got trapped in the astral plane while the lipstick demon tried to uh, take over. And then we had the other character who, who, um, who possesses Josh at the end of the first one is in possession of him for most of two. Uh, so they try to remove that um, memory. All they remember is that there was a coma. They'll, use a, they'll lose a year. Um, and then we go to a funeral. So the mother, the grandmother of this family, who Josh's mother, who was the one who kind of brought Elise into this when Josh was a boy, uh, I really like that, that plotline in the second one. Um, she has passed away. I'm guessing the actress just didn't return. <laughs> um, but she's passed away and there's a funeral. Only the, the, the main family is there. Which I found a bit odd that um, someone who seemingly comes across as a very popular person in the first one. That she's friends with Elise and they've been friends for years. And does she obviously have more friends. Um, nobody's there. Nobody's at her funeral. It's just the main family. And... I just found that a bit strange. Um, maybe they were just, I don't know, saving on extras. Um, and Dalton is, <laughs> Dalton's reading a poem. I don't know which poem this is, but it's not the best poem in the world. But many and I don't know poetry very well. Um, Dalton's obviously a grown man now. He's eighteen years old. Uh, he's clearly been working out. And they have this very kind of somber funeral, and then they go to leave and. It's clear that Josh and Dalton have a strange relationship. Josh tries to talk to Dalton. Dalton ignores him, puts headphones in. Doesn't put any music on, uh, but he puts his headphones in. I'm guessing he wants to hear the conversation that's going to happen between 
uh, the mother and Josh. Um, but he, he wants to he wants to act like he can ignore them and not hear them. Um, and between the mother and Josh, so Dalton's mother, not the mother of the family that was just buried, uh, but um, between the mother and Josh, it's very clear from their conversation that they're divorced and they have been for a little while. And they talk about how the last 10 years, you know, he struggled with Dalton and he doesn't know why. Um, the mother suggests that, that Josh should like drive Dalton to college because he's going in a few days and it would be really good to maybe have them reconnect. Josh doesn't think it's a good idea. There's obviously something that's on their, that's in the back of their minds that's keeping them apart. And they kind of leave it there. Dalton hears all of this. Dalton hears it and takes away that Josh doesn't want to drive him, which is he does, but he's skeptical. That's the, that's the kind of vibe I got. Uh, and from there, Josh goes back, goes to go back to his car. And as he's going back to his car, he sees that there's a man at the grave of the woman they just buried, of the the grandmother they just buried. Um, and he sees him, and this guy sees Josh, and he turns and scarpers. And Josh tries to catch up with him, get his attention. The guy's ignoring him. He gets to a point where he literally comes up and grabs him on the shoulder. This guy turns around, and it's the guy from the start, the guy who erased their memories. He's obviously scared. They're all crap. I'm talking to the guy. And he was like, what? Do I know you? So I, was like, I was a friend of your mother's. Um, I was just coming to pay my respects. He's like, do I know you? He's like, no, you don't, I don't think. But as I said, I was a friend of your mother's. He's like, okay. Um, and he's got that you can see Josh's gears are turning at this point. And they kind of have a conversation and the guy goes, all right, blah, 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 Josh. The classic, I didn't tell you my name thing, but he kind of just thinks and then leaves it. And you can see a, a, something has clicked inside Josh's brain there. Like he's like, what is that? Something... With my memory, because he's been struggling with his memory for years, you find out. And like he's, it's hinted at at the start. Uh, something is, is turning in his brain. He gets in his car and he says to text Dalton to say, hey, I've had an idea. Can I drive you to school? And Dalton agrees. But while this is going on, so they've got this thing that it pops up, the text pops up on the screen that they're talking. And you can see through the rear view window, there is a figure in a yellow shirt standing quite far away. It's very blurry, but we see it just stood still. And Josh is kind of like moving around in his in his car. And every time it kind of covers him and then turns back, you see this figure getting closer and closer. And this is what I mean about some of the scenes were good. This was good. It built tension. You're like, what is something's coming towards the car? What is that? Who is that? And it's this tension is building and building and it's getting so close to the car. It's almost right up behind the car. And then Josh finishes this conversation with Dalton and text and goes and the, the thing is gone. And I said, there's no tension break or release. It's just, what was that? Who was that? Why is that happening all of a sudden? And they like said that conversation that he had with that man has clicked something in his brain, and this is clearly the start of it. That's why that's now happening. There's an apparition or something that's now following Josh. And we then get them driving to college. Um, Josh is trying to talk to uh, Dalton, and Dalton doesn't really care. He's putting his headphones in, just sitting on his phone. Uh, and this felt very familiar to me. I'm not going to lie with me and my uh, father. But anyway... 
Um, he's texting in, um, his mom. Mom's like, how's the drive? It's like, terrible. Erases it. Going fine. You know, he's, he's, he's clearly kind of like trying, but not. Um, I felt he was very stereotypical, moody kind of teen at this moment. Um, like he's, he's 18 years old. He's going off to art school. It felt very kind of familiar. Um, so they get there and they they start pack. They get to this door, like the, the the college, sorry, and they're going through the campus and people are trying to get Dalton's attention. Like there's all these like groups that like frat parties and stuff like that, and Dalton's ignoring them all. He just wants to get to his room, and Josh is clearly trying to connect. He's trying to go, hey, look, this is fun. Why don't we have a look at this? And they pass a person like going like, hey, do you want to, like, this frat party thing? Dalton ignores it. Josh goes, oh, I used to be a capper. I'll, I'll take a flyer for, I'll take a flyer for Dalton. And they go up and they go to the room, empty room. There's two beds, one of them shared ones. And they start unpacking the stuff. There's like, you've got a generator. And this is one thing that is done well in the film as they, they kind of set things up a little bit. Not all the time. There's some giant gaps in this film, but there's also this bit where like they kind of set up this little thing of like they've got a generator so he can plug his lamps and outlets and stuff. Um, because we find out that Dalton uh, later is still afraid of the dark. Ever since his coma, he's afraid of the dark. And he has to sleep with a nightlight on. He's trying to be a big guy around around uh, Josh, Dalton is. When they find the nightlight, his own mum must have packed it. It was actually he brought it and he can't sleep without it on. Um, and you find that out in like the next 10 minutes and Dalton like starts putting up photos on the wall and Josh is like, I guess I didn't make the wall. Um, and then, you know, they're unpacking and he sees these, um, pictures and there's a one of the grandmother and Josh is like, this is an amazing picture. You drew this. He's like, yeah, I did. Yeah. He's like, you captured her essence really well. Like she's got a look on her face and Dalton goes like, she's hiding something. So the so the kind of tension there is Dalton clearly feels that the family is hiding something from him. And I think he also feels that, that Josh is hiding something from him because Josh is always saying his memory's fuzzy and he can't remember things. And that's why he's struggling. Um, but I don't think Dalton thinks that's true. He thinks that, that they're all hiding something from him. And I think this is why he has this struggle to connect with his family. Josh kind of says, like, look, I've, I've really struggled the last 10 years, and I know it's not been fair for you. Uh, but he's like, you know, but, like, and again, my dad was never there. My, I didn't know my dad. Um, and then it kind of keeps going. And he goes, hey, why don't you go to this frat party? I got you this uh, for, your, for later. And Dalton's kind of like, you don't know me at all. Why would I want to go to this? He's like, you think I want to join a frat? He's like, no, I don't think you want to join a frat, but... I think it's a party. Go and let your hair down. Have some fun. And then an argument happens. He's like, you don't know me at all. Like, why would I want to? And this kind of snap comes out of him. Like, well, at least I was there. You know, my dad wasn't even there. I've been there, but I've been struggling. And you get, um, no wonder mum divorced you. Which is like, come on, dude. And, and it's kind of escalates. And Josh snaps and says, why? maybe you should stop being so fucking ungrateful. And that's when the comic relief busts in. I hate this character. I'm not going to lie. I did not enjoy this character at all. So this girl busts in, a uh, young girl, supposed to be sharing the room with Dalton. Um, and she's like, oop, I've interrupted a moment, a bonding moment, guys. And you're like, oh, 
Like you've immediately sucked the potential from this scene by introducing this character. And she comes in and just starts chucking her stuff around and you find out that, um, you know, it's supposed to be a male-male room and there must have been a mix-up because her name's like Danny or something or Chris Chrissy or something like that. So there's a bit of a mix-up there. Um, and she just goes like, well, I'll go sort it out. I'll go to the office, see if I can get another room. And at this moment, Josh goes as well. She goes, Josh goes, and... You find out she comes back. She's like, "Well, I've got. I stay with you tonight, but I'll have another room tomorrow, so don't worry about it. And I'll just be right upstairs, so don't worry about that." And this is where we find out that Dalton, still afraid of the dark, can't sleep without nightlight on. Um, Josh goes home. Uh, he, he tries to speak to the mother. He goes over and tries to speak to her and say, like, I'm really fuzzy. Like, something's going on in my life. I don't know what it is. And she's like, maybe you should go see someone. Go to a doctor or something. And this is one of the things that really fell down for me about this film is Josh will disappear for 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time. And then you'll get a couple of minutes with him and then he'll come back. And it only focuses on Dalton. Um, there's a few things that go on with Dalton and, and him where they have conversation over text. But they rarely interact with each other. And it's this, it feels just like, oh, Josh is still in this film whenever he pops up. Um, when we get the next scene, the next day, Dalton has now started school. And he's going to, like I say, do an art class. And again, I think the college setting, that's what I mean by the setting, the college setting was probably the wrong place to do this. Because it felt disconnected. The family felt spread out. It didn't feel like a like the unit that it did before, like it's something the family has to solve. It felt very spread out and it felt like it was trying to cater to the audience that may have grown up with Insidious. However, it just didn't work for me. Um, but he's at art school anyway, and he goes into this class and it's a very stereotypical art teacher who has a very generic European accent and she tells people that art is this and that and she tells people to destroy their art no matter what they've they've done with it. It's like technique, you can, anyone can do technique, but it's got to come from the heart, which is very much an understand about art. You know, it's not just about technique, but um, I felt this is very kind of ham-fisted and very stereotypical. Like she was a stereotype. Um, so what happens is from here, they get them to do a um, an exercise. She gets them to do an exercise. And Josh is very clearly taking this class very seriously. Um, there's a bit where she tells people, if you think your art is just, you know, technique and there's no soul in it, rip it up. And he rips up the picture that, um, Josh found earlier of the grandmother, he rips it up. And they're doing this exercise where they have a canvas set out in front of them and they have a charcoal and they have to put the camp, the, the charcoal on the canvas, close their eyes, count to 10, and then just start drawing without taking the charcoal off. And during that count, she says, we're going to count down from 10 and we'll go further into ourselves. Further and further. Where he's going is the further. Come on, like, it was so ham-fistedly like, written into the, the script. It felt so like forced in. Um, but it's like you need to draw something from your memory, your insides. And he, Josh kind of goes in on himself. He ends up drawing a door. And as he's drawing it, something happens where he kind of blacks out and he gets a cut on his hand and it bleeds on the door. 
And he then takes this painting home, oh, to his room. And he's like, there's something about this door that is bothering me. And he kind of starts smearing the red around. And he ends up making the door red. There is our red door. And as you've known, if you've watched all the Insidious films, there's this symbolism of the red door um, throughout the the um, the films, the first and the second especially. Uh, this symbolism of the red door, uh, something is coming through that door. And Dalton has opened this door at some point. And he... Um, does this painting and there's a gap of something missing in the corner. It's like a shape of a figure. And he sits and looks at it. It's late at night. And he ends up astral projecting. Um, you know, he's sat there and he thinks he falls asleep, but actually he's astral projecting. And he goes upstairs to the girl who we shared a room with. Uh, she actually like, she's moved upstairs now. And he notices he can go up there and, and mess with her. He messes with her stuff. He can move things around. And she notices this. She notices things moving as right in her sleep. And she thinks Dalton is fucking with her. He, he has this. And while he's in the further and he kind of goes upstairs, then he runs back down. Something is chasing him. Something is following him through the further. And it's clearly the lipstick demon. Like, it, that's what we know. That's what it is. Um... And then, you know, he, he goes up, starts playing with this girl's um, uh, mouth accordion. He starts fucking with it. Because there was a scene earlier when they were playing with it. Um, when they first meet. Uh, and it, the, the girl, like, sees it move. And hears that he plays a tune on it that he said he was mother made, like, when they first met. And he goes and does it again. And she recognises that that's his mother's tune so she comes downstairs in the middle of the night after he's stopped astral projecting and like what's going on were you in my room he's like it's not that simple and he explains the astral projecting to it he's like something about this door something's going on something's weird here um and we get that and we get glimpses of josh so josh is going for doctor's appointments he's having an mri to check if something's wrong with his brain, because he feels like he's losing his memory. And he's struggling and he wants to get it back. He doesn't understand. Um, and there's a scene that you've probably seen in the trailer where he's in the MRI machine. And this is another great scene. He's in the MRI machine. It all seems to turn off. And he gets this. It's, it's very kind of tense. So he goes in and the doctor's like, it's quite loud. You'll have headphones in. And, you know, if you struggle, you've got a squeegee thing if you start to panic. Because some people get claustrophobic in an MRI machine. I've been in an MRI machine. They're not fun to be in. And he's just lying. And you can hear this voiceover in his headphones of the doctor going, you okay in there? I'm going to start the machine. Just relax. Um, and he sits there and he's just listening. And then all the, all the the everything turns off. And he starts to panic. And he's squeezing the thing. And the voiceover doctor goes, there's someone in there with you. There's someone in there. He's like, well, let me out. Can, can you let me out, please? And he start, you can really see he's panicking. He's squeezing the thing. He's trying to get out. So you have to close the door. So what are you talking about? 
and you get some really good shots like he's in the mri and you can see something moving behind his head if you've ever been in an mri you're kind of strapped in almost like it's on your around your face like this and he's in there and he's strapped down and kind of so you see this shot where he's trying to look up and look up and look back because you can see in the background there's like a hand or something moving behind him and you see you get this shot of him trying to look and there's nothing there he looks back down and then boom something's calling up at him lights come back on he's freaking out the doctor tells him he's been asleep for 15 minutes and they check there's nothing wrong with his brain and it kind of ends there it's like there's, you've been asleep for 15 minutes it's like well what was this weird person calling at me it's like there's no one there okay has there been any history of mental health in his family and he says no it's like there's nothing wrong with your brain though so might be trying to do memory games and have a look into your family history. So he does that in about 15 minutes time. <laughs> the next scene is the next day and Dalton and this girl are trying to figure out what's going on and they're talking about things and the door and they suggest like, well, maybe the girl's like, maybe we should go to this frat party and um, just like do some cool stuff and whatever and just hang out. And they go to the party, and the party is one of those typical what you see in teen dramas parties. Loads of people there, loads of people drinking. There's a guy dressed up as a baby. Um, this is one of the only actors that I thought wasn't very good. Um, he's serv serviceable, he's fine. Um, but this film kind of goes on from there, where like he mentions that, oh, everyone like, yeah, we're going to drink and we're going to party, but do it responsibly because someone died here last year. And... They're really bored. Like, they get the party and like, this party sucks. Dalton and this girl like, this party sucks. She's like, yeah, so let's go upstairs and go through people's stuff. Like, I found her character that annoying. I was like, why don't you think that's, like, what's wrong? What? Do people do that? That's fucking weird. And they go up and they end up, like, in, um, the guy with the nappy, like, his, he's, like, the, the, the head of the frat, I think. They end up in his room and they're looking around for stuff and they're just messing and, there's a thing where they're trying to talk about him like he's got IBS or something and they make a joke about it. Like, I don't get why you're talking about that. Like, I don't find it funny in any way. Or I just found it a bit weird to have in this film. It's, the other ones have been very serious with no like really comic relief or anything other than like the, the ghost guys, the ghost hunter guys. And, but they've done really well and they're good actors. And you've got this weird thing and you're making a joke about IBS. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, oh, I found his butthole cream. I'm gonna put it on all the commun like communal toilets. Why? And um, so Dalton's left alone in this room, and he hears someone being sick in the toilet, and like, cause this guy's got his own private bathroom, and he opens the door, and there's a guy throwing up in there, and, it, and Dalton's just like, "Hey man, are you okay? Do you need me to get anything for you?" And it turns around, and it's a it's a dead guy. So it's the guy that was talking about before, um. And he's just throwing up and he's like, close the door, close the door, close the door, make it stop, close the door. And Dalton freaks out and like he hides under the bed because the nappy guy comes in. And then um, there's this scene where the cat night guy leaves, but Dalton's afraid to get out from under the bed. And you can see these feet walking around the bed and it's the ghost and he goes to get out and he slides himself from under the bed and... The ghost is there and it throws up all over his face. And this is the bad CGI. Like, it's just bad, bad CGI. The face is clearly enhanced with CGI. The vomit is CGI. And it just looks 
like CGI. It doesn't look doesn't look good. It stands out quite badly. Um, from there, you know, they kind of realise that they've got to leave, and um, this is fucked up. We then get a scene the next day, um, where Josh is trying to enhance his memory. He's playing like memory games, like match the pair. But what he's done, he's made his own. So he um, puts all these um, pictures on his very big stained glass door, and in like with pictures of his family, and he'll flip them up and try and match the two. He's trying to remember where all the things are, and. This is one of those great scenes that I was talking about where he's flipping them up. He's flipping. He's not looking through the window, but we are. He flips them up and you can see that figure that was by the car on the first scenes. He flips them up. Nothing there. Flips. Up, it's closer. Flips them up. Not that close. And it keeps getting close. And it flip, right when you think it's going to be there, flips it up. Not there. He's really struggling to remember anything. And he goes to walk off. And something, and then this thing bursts through his window. It's a person. He freaks out, and he gets up to run away. And the person's now inside. It's a man in a yellow shirt with a with a big injury on his head. And he kind of like freaks out, and he's running, and he's trying to get around the house. He's trying to figure out what to do, and he ends up hiding from this thing. And he locks himself in a room, grabs a weapon, goes to go out. This thing grabs him and knocks him unconscious. Um, Dalton's like text him at this point as well telling him he went to the frat thing and Dalton keeps adding more and more to this painting like the figure that's at the front of the painting keeps coming more and more into focus and you find out that you know Dalton is struggling he needs to know what's going on he calls his brother asks him like do you remember a red door or something when we were growing up and his brother's like ah oh, no n- nothing to do i don't know man you know whatever um yeah maybe you ask mom i don't know but don't worry he's like why is i don't want to ask mom and worry he's like why would mom worry man like it's like i don't know i've just got a feeling that mom would worry anyway i feel like i'm sorry if i'm rushing through this i've been trying to record this for the last like 10 hours um and what happens from here is he thinks, right, I need to find answers. I need to get answers. So I need to go find out why this guy said close the door. Maybe he didn't mean close the bathroom door. Maybe he meant close this door that I'm painting. Like maybe close this red door. And he decides to go to the frat house again that night and astral project so he can um, talk to this ghost. Back to Josh. Josh has been trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And we find out that um, he has some uh, pieces of information about his family. They're in a box and you find out his father's name that he never met. And um, he finds out, you know, that he's got this bits of information. So he goes to a library to find to look up his dad. And he finds out that his dad um, had traits of mental health issues he was diagnosed with schizophrenia he kept saying that he was seeing ghosts and sometimes he would like fly out of his body at night and he would go somewhere that was dark and 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 struggle and eventually he ended up jumping off a roof and taking his own life because nothing was helping him and he figures out that is the person who has been following him the person in the yellow shirt is his father so he goes over to the ex-wife's house to go what is all this what is going on I don't understand. And you find out 
from the mother that um, as what happened in the previous films that when he got possessed he tried to kill the family and he tried to murder them and um, that is when their memories were erased and the kids, she was like, the kids didn't understand it wasn't you. She's like, I knew it was, wasn't was you. But they were babies. They didn't know it wasn't you. And you had your memory erased so you couldn't, so this couldn't happen again. And so you could forget how awful it was. We all thought it was best, including you. And then it changed you. It's, it's what broke your memory. You have been struggling. And this is what happened. And she's like, I couldn't take looking at you anymore. And dealing with this struggle and dealing with the person that tried to kill my kids even though it wasn't you I couldn't take it anymore and that's why she left and that's why they're divorced and yeah Dalton however adds more and more to this painting and his understanding and he comes to realize that the man the figure at the bottom of this painting was his father wielding a hammer and it's that memory of him trying to kill them and then there's the red door in the background and he takes this and he goes to do the astral projection and him and the girl go back to that house the frat house and he astral projects to try and talk to this lipstick demon not, not try and talk to they get the frat guy who died, the close the door guy, doesn't happen. But what does happen is the lipstick demon appears. And it seems, and, and uh, he has this scuffle with the lipstick demon and there's something going, like he sees that it's a trap. He's going to get stuck and he seems to get caught in a trap. And the lipstick demon possesses his body. And not only does it possess his body, it also attacks um, the girl. I may have skipped over a few scenes, but basically this is the build-up to what's going on. I mean, it happened. This does this a few times where he, like, he goes and he tries to see, and then you see that it possesses. Uh, it can possess, and that people can get hurt in the real world while he's in the further. And let's say, say the girl gets choked by the lipstick demon. Um, like I said, the other things happen, but it eventually ends up with him getting possessed, and this causes Josh. To go, I'm going to go into the further and rescue him. And they go, he goes into the further to try and rescue him from the lipstick demon. The lipstick demon is in his body. And there's a scene where um, Dalton and this girl are in his dorm room. And she's filling the room with lights. Um, she doesn't realise that Josh is possessed. It's kind of like a really eerie moment. This is a good scene, this scene. I've skipped over the bad scenes. Um... I can't remember half of them. Um, but he's very clearly possessed and he starts attacking her. Josh is in there trying to find him in the world. And I remember um, watching the original and you see like it's hard to travel in the further. and You know, you get lost very easily. And he just seems to be like he's one side of the country, he's on another and he seems to be able to just find each other. Um, and this is what I mean, like there's no real conclusion. It rushes this. Like I've always wanted to know what is the lipstick demon? Why is it so obsessed with Dalton? Um, what is it actually? It's, it wants life, okay? It wants to possess him. But what does it want outside of that? Where does it come from? What's it supposed to be? We find none of that out. 
What we do find out is that um, Josh finds Dalton trapped in the further, just like he was in the first one. And they, Josh uh, is able to free him in some way. He was like, we need to get back and we need to get you to your body. And we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, it's, and then the lipstick demon said, like, oh, the lipstick demon's coming back. We need to get away from him. Oh no, it's all terrible. What are we going to do? And there's this kind of like a scuffle and a run and a chase. And they see the red door and they come to the red door and he... They shut the door, but they can't hold, like the demon's trying to come through the door. And it's like, Josh sits on the door. He's like, I'm hold, I'm gonna hold the door. And like, you you go, go, you go, Dalton, get back to your body and I'll stay here and I'll hold the door. I'll hold the door, I'll close it and I'll hold it. And Dalton's like, okay. And he just fucks up. <laughs> it's so just like, all of this is happening, like bang, 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 all of a sudden. We've spent so long getting here. And then this happens. Dalton ends up in his body again, and he's like, it's me. The girl's like, is it actually you, Dalton? He's like, yep. Yeah. Um, these ghosts were trying to like claw up, crawl up him while he was empty again because the lipstick demon came back to, uh, to the, the further. Um, but that all gets saved because he gets back to his body in time. And Josh is on the door. He kind of accepts his fate. And we see drips of black coming over the door. And it's paint. And it turns out Dalton in the real world is putting paint all over the painting of the red door that he's done. And that is closing the door behind Josh. And the lipstick demon is trying to get through. He's punched a hole through it. and But it all gets closed off. And then um, Josh wakes up in his body. Dalton's fine. The door seems to be shut. It's encased in paint for some reason. Um, and that's when they all remember everything now. Everyone remembers everything that happened but, um, you know, they're happy about that. And it seems that Josh and the, the his ex-wife are like, oh, everything's saved. It's great. Dalton's fine. I'm fine. They seem to be starting again. Well, maybe you should come over for dinner and we should start seeing each other again. Like, that's great. Josh goes out to his car. Elise is there. And there's a bit of a conversation. Um, he goes to see Dalton and he sees that Dalton has done a painting of him and... Um, him and him and his dad uh, from what he remembers of them being in the further when he rescued him and kind of ends there we don't find out anything about the lipstick demon or anything and that's that uh, like I said I may have skipped over a couple of scenes but I found this film like I said I found it really boring in most parts the, some of the scenes were good that were like the sort of like the the MRI machine in the start film the, the scene at the start were really good uh, but the rest of them, they fell flat. Like The ending falls completely flat. It comes out of nowhere. Nothing is explained. Like, nothing at all. You just find out that Josh's dad obviously had the same thing, and it drove him mad. And he's kind of, he has this like moment with his dad where he's like, his dad's soul can rest now. But it doesn't explain any of it. So, they fell flat. Like I said, for me, it was a 6 out of 10. There were some really good moments, but all in all, it was boring between the scares. It didn't feel like an insidious movie anymore, and the ending felt really rushed and tacked on, and nothing was explained. So that's my review of Insidious 5. Don't open that door. <laughs> Insidious 5, the red door. Um, hope you enjoyed that, guys. 
Uh, I will be doing some more videos uh, soon. I've got another Patreon video that I'm going to be doing up of something that people have been asking for. I have a announcement I'm going to be doing uh, for uh, the next bonus episode. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I've got a very special guest coming on. Um, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Please like, comment and subscribe here on YouTube or on podcasts, whichever you're listening to. Um, if you could drop me a five-star review, I would really appreciate that on whatever platform you're listening on. It really does help a lot. Um, if you want to help uh, grow the channel, please share it on your social media, tell a friend. I would really appreciate that. Um, and if you really want to help, I do have a Patreon uh, like I said, there's some things up there already and there's more content going up where I I relented and I will be reading you guys my one of my short stories that I've written. People have asked me to do that. That'll be coming up very, very soon. And I'm going to be doing it in parts on the Patreon. Uh, you can click the link uh, in the show notes below and uh, you get other things like extra, extra content, uh, be able to get a shout out and ask me a question, which I'll read on the show, uh, access to a Discord server, all this stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, happy watching.